The COVID-19 pandemic has radically altered life for many people all across the world. During these dark times, people are looking for hope and answers to the challenging questions and fears that they face. The Biblical Counseling Coalition has been active to shine the light of God's truth during these dark times. We've compiled excellent resources by our ministry partners. We've promoted tools, training, and opportunities for biblical counselors to improve their counseling and expand their ministry. We've encouraged collaborative relationships, and we've created many resources of our own. Will you join us in our efforts by making a special donation to support the Biblical Counseling Coalition? Just log on to our website at biblicalcc.org, click the donate button at the top, and make a donation to our wonderful ministry. While you're there, you can check out all of those free resources by clicking the banner at the top of the page. Thank you for your support. You're listening to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of 1514. Today's episode is the first in a series on the topic of leadership. I'll be discussing with my guest today the definition of leadership and the book that he's written on the topic. Future episodes will discuss leadership in the church, training leaders in the church, as well as training people to be ministry leaders. I hope that you find these episodes informative and encouraging. Thanks so much again for joining us. Welcome to today's episode of 1514. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome. We really appreciate having you here. I hope it's enjoyable and it inspires you to go back in our archives and check out some of our previous episodes. If you've been a listener for any amount of time, we appreciate your loyalty. Be sure to share the podcast with your friends and tell others about it. Uh, Jump online and give us a review wherever you find your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, all those wonderful places. Uh, We should be there. So we we are encouraged by those, and it really helps other people connect with this ministry. Today I have with me, joining me from across the the country, Jeremy Stallnecker, the executive director of Mighty Oaks Foundation. Jeremy, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Curtis. Really appreciate it. Uh, you've been such a blessing to our ministry, and great to be able to talk to you in this kind of venue. Yeah, well, it's a it's a real blessing to to know you and and Mighty Oaks, and what a what a great ministry you guys have going there. It's been a huge huge blessing to participate in any way, shape, or form with such a wonderful ministry. Uh, we're going to talk about leadership primarily because of your book, Leadership by Design, and this is part of a series that we're doing on 1514 about leadership. But before we do that, I would really love you to have the opportunity to, to update our listeners on Mighty Oaks and how it's going with, with the ministry. A lot of our listeners are, are fans, supporters of Mighty Oaks, and really encouraged yeah. by the work you all do. So could you tell us how things are going there? Yeah, for sure. For those that aren't familiar with Mighty Oaks, we have a ministry focused on veterans, active duty service members, and first responders. Those are kind of our categories. And then the spouses of those. So those who would be married to uh, someone in one of those categories, we know that uh, whether it's trauma or just difficulty related to service, that extends well into the family, beyond even the spouse, into the children. And so we do our best to minister to those folks through primarily one-week programs that we have in one of four facilities across the country. We have place. Uh, places in California, Ohio, Texas, and Virginia. 
We'll bring someone to one of those facilities. They'll spend a week with us. And we talk about what it looks like to align your life to the person God created you to be. Now, many of the folks, uh, well over half of the folks who would attend a program aren't Christians, don't come from a Christian or you know religious or faith background. Um, so this is new to them, uh, but they're in a place in their lives, either because, again, of, of trauma-related combat or some kind of other life situation. They're in a place where they don't know where to go or what to do. So they spend a week with us, and we really try to model for them what a life uh, aligned to the person of Christ looks like. Um, we've had tremendous success in that. We've had uh, about uh, just over 3,200. I don't know the exact number today. We have a program even running this week in Ohio. Um, but about 3,200 folks have come through that week-long program. Uh, many have given their lives to Christ, uh, rededicated their lives to Christ, <clears throat> and uh, some just started a journey of understanding what that looks like. So um, it's been great. And then on the other front, kind of the other side of what we do, we do what we call resiliency training. Uh, really, it's helping folks who have not experienced trauma uh, put the marker down, understanding where they should live and what they should focus on, what it is to have a relationship with God um, before the trauma so they can align to that when the trauma comes. And we've been blessed to speak to thousands of active duty troops across the country, whether it's on bases or through other types of retreats and conferences and it's been, uh, been a tremendous blessing. And then, you know, specific to the work that you do and the biblical counseling coalition, um, specifically Curtis, you've been amazing help to us. We <laughs> doors have opened for us that mm. we could not have seen even a few years ago, even speaking in front of uh, congressional committees dealing with the faith uh, issue and how to get help to those service members and veterans who need it through these faith communities. And what they're asking for all the time is data. You've provided that to us. You've done a uh, study to help us illustrate the effectiveness of faith and mm. uh, particularly the work that we do at Mighty Oaks. And then the, the coalition has been an amazing partner to us. We um, will have folks who come to our program, but on the other side of that, they realize they need more, uh, whether it's, you know, just biblical counseling for life or marriage counseling or, uh, you know, counseling in very various areas. And uh, through the Biblical Counseling Coalition, many folks have stepped up and, and helped with that. So it's been a great partnership and a great relationship and God has opened some amazing doors for us. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild looking back at when we first, uh, I first got to know you guys and just how the Lord has expanded those relationships yeah. and, and grown it. Yeah. It's been a huge blessing and it was such a, a blessing to me to be able to do that study of your program and to, to, try to put to numbers the reality of God's work in people's lives is, is kind of a daunting task, but it was, God was so faithful and it's been such a, an encouragement to see that actually bear fruit. So that's, that's it's, awesome. Yeah. It's been crazy. Even in, you know, just regular kind of mainstream media uh, interviews and those kind of things, people are really, I think, finally identifying that much of the clinical approach to post-traumatic stress and combat trauma is, is just falling flat. And, mm -hmm. you know, we could have a whole discussion on that, but so they're looking outside, what are other people doing? We've had some success. So uh, I think I texted you one day, I sat in an interview and, and the interviewer said, how do you, how do you demonstrate that this works? I said, well, I just have to have a few numbers. <laughs> I think you had sent them to me like the day before. So they were yeah. fresh on my mind and I ran through them. He's like, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been uh, tremendous. Well, praise the Lord. It's really, uh, his, his work and really we're just being, we're, we're tools in his hands, able to show his glory to the world. So that's awesome. That's really encouraging. Well, we do, we do want to talk about leadership, uh, today, because as I mentioned, you're 
your book, Leadership by Design. Uh, before I jump there, real quick for our audience, if you want to know more about Mighty Oaks, uh, you can find them at mightyoakswarriorprograms.org. Yes, and, yeah, mightyoaksprograms.org, yeah. Yeah, mightyoaksprograms.org. And then yeah, Jeremy's book, Leadership by Design, but he and Chad Robichaux have co-written The Path of Resiliency and The Truth About PTSD, which are great resources. If you uh, have questions about trauma, trauma counseling, those kind of things, they're really excellent, as well as Chad's book, An Unfair Advantage. You can find all of those on their website there. Google them, you know, Siri, ask Siri, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, you can find those resources, and they're phenomenal. Um, but, Jeremy, I want to talk to you about leadership because I and lead off with your, your discussing this concept with you because I love your definition of leadership. Uh, tell everybody first about your background a little bit and how you – developed your understanding of leadership and then we'll talk about your definition i was raised in a um in a very conservative christian home my dad was a pastor and so at a, at a very early age i saw leadership demonstrated uh for me and and to me my interpretation of that was a leader is you know a strong man who stands in the gap for his family carries people forward serves his community you know, does those things that are hard to do, but does it because it's a right, the right thing to do. Um, so that was what was modeled for me when I was young, moved beyond that into the Marine Corps. I went to college out of high school. I was commissioned as an infantry platoon commander in the Marine Corps. So I learned a bit of a different style of leadership. I, I brought into that what my dad had taught me, which was really personal responsibility. Then I saw this, this more, what we might Define now as positional leadership because you have the rank you are in charge, mm-hmm. and the person in charge typically in the Marine Corps world, particularly in the infantry world, had a personality that went with that. So the loudest guy in the room, the most aggressive guy in the room, that's the leader. <laughs> that's what you need to do, and that's what you need to be. And certainly, there's a place for that in combat. There's a place for that. Deployed to Iraq in 2003 as part of the initial invasion into Iraq. So not only did I see it modeled in a peacetime military, but I saw that type of leadership play out in a, a you know, a, a combat environment. So, so I took, you know, what my dad had demonstrated to me, that personal responsibility. I, I then took what I saw in the Marine Corps as the uh, positional, super aggressive type A leadership, transitioned out of that. <laughs> I came home from Iraq. I left the Marine Corps and uh, went on staff at a, a local church, the church that my family and I had been attending. And started working uh, really just as an, uh, an assistant to the pastor for some projects that he was working on, eventually developed into a ministry role, and then I would pastor later on. So when I stepped out of the Marine Corps, I stepped into ministry world, and I would go to conferences and read books and have conversations about this idea of servant leadership. And for me, I'm speaking only for me now because that's all I could do, but for me, what I saw modeled and what I read was that servant leadership is it's leadership, but more than that, it's manipulation with Mm. God attached to it. Mm. So if I, as a spiritual leader, as a person in a church, as a ministry leader can say, you need to do this because God wants you to, or you need to do this because this is what uh, God would desire for your life, or you need to do this because of the consequences if you don't. Often that's what I took away as this idea of servant leadership or spiritual leadership. Mm. Um, it looks very much like you're serving people, 
But on the other side of it, you're, you're really working to get something from them. And again, that could be a much larger conversation. But with yeah. all of those things in mind, and now I'm working with, you know, I'm on the other side of my pastoral life, I'm working with veterans and service members who are um, really lost outside of their service. They saw positional leadership. They understood that in the military. They've stepped out of that world. They've lost their identity. They've lost their direction and their purpose because what they believed was leadership and they did a good job is not working now. So I took all of these things and I had to sit down and, and, and for myself answer the question, what is leadership? What is that? What does it actually mean to lead? Uh, I, I've seen it modeled in different places, different ways. I've read, you know, 50 books on leadership, everything that kind of the so-called leadership experts, whether it's in the corporate world or in the church world or in the military world would teach us about leadership. Uh, I've read just about every, at least popular definition of leadership. And still I was somewhat confused myself. And that's where I, you know, kind of the journey that I was on to sit down and write the book leadership by design, which really for me was just me working through an understanding of what I believe leadership actually is not how it functions, mm -hmm. but a definition that allows us to move from there and apply it to whatever situation we find ourselves in in life. Yeah. And if we had loads of time, I'd have you share some stories because you have some good ones about uh, <clears throat> various aspects of leadership and how you can't tell some nursery workers who don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, so that, that's part of my story, right? Mm -hmm. Is So I came out of that like super aggressive type A combat leadership. And a month later out of the Marine Corps, I was serving on a church staff. One of my responsibilities was getting volunteers to do their job. Uh -huh. So I assume that leadership is leadership. And if you yell at volunteers, they'll do what you want them to. Turns out that's not the case. Um, and the other guys I worked with on staff and my pastor and every volunteer we had in our church got tired of me pretty quick. So that, that's another whole story, but yes, yeah, misapplied but leadership is in a, adds a little damage you and the people around you adds a little bit of flesh to what we're about to talk <laughs> about. So, uh, so what is your definition of leadership then? So the definition that I settled on is, is simply this leadership is taking people from where they are to where they need to be. In my mind, leadership is taking the people in your life that can be, you know, people have said, what about self-leadership? Okay. Maybe it's you, <laughs> you need to take yourself <laughs> from where you are to where you need to be. But specifically outside of the individual, it's taking the people in your life that may be your children. It may be your spouse. It may be the people that you work with or the people that you lead in a larger organization. Uh, it's taking those people that you have the opportunity to influence from where they are right now today to where they actually need to be. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is servant leadership because it says leadership is not about me. It's not about getting what I want. It's not about using people to accomplish what I want them to accomplish. It's about seeing people as valuable, seeing people as having a purpose and moving them from where they are right now, which may even be in a good place. It's not negative, uh, but moving them from where they are to where they actually need to be. That means practically using my resources, my opportunities, my ability, my influence, et cetera, to help them get to that place. Yeah, no, I think it's really helpful because, um, it's, it's, it is what leadership it is. It's broader than application and where that fleshes out. Um, and I love, obviously your book fleshes this out far more than we'll be able to talk about on the podcast, 
but coming from it from a biblical perspective, you're at we're you're then actually equipped to know where people need to be because um, I've heard another organization use a very similar definition, and they they're kind of a leadership productivity expert kind of organization and they say helping people get from where they are to where they want to go. Right. But that's a significant difference. How, how is what you're defining leadership as different than that? And why is that important? Uh, I, from a biblical standpoint, and this is where I had to go and say, what's modeled for us in the Bible and the greatest model in the Bible of leadership is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We know that he was a strong leader in the sense that he led people that he did difficult things that he took personal responsibility for what he was doing. But, you know, Philippians chapter two to me is one of the great leadership passages Mm or, you know, scriptures in all the Bible, because it says that Jesus, um, knowing that he's God thought it not Robert to be equal with God, but then made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Jesus didn't come to the earth, God incarnate, to do something that he needed done for himself. He didn't come because he had nothing else to do. He didn't come because, you know, he was trying to help us get to where we wanted to be. Where we as humanity wanted to be, um, you know, was in our sin, (laughs) selfish, completely (laughs) absorbed in our rebellion against the holy God. That's where we wanted to be. But where we needed to be was reconciled to God through Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Jesus did. Uh, you go to Ephesians 5, where the Bible tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What a great leadership verse. Mm-hmm. What is love? It's the selfless application of everything you have available to you for the benefit of the person you say you love. That's leadership. And that's what Jesus did. So understanding that, it does two things. It removes the self. It removes me from manipulating my kids, my wife, my coworkers, my boss, the people in my organization to get what I want. So it removes that. But on the other side, as you mentioned, it it puts me in a position where I have to say, where do they actually need to be? Not what do they want to do? We all want to do things. Most of us sell ourselves very short. Mm. So what most people want to do is sit on the couch and (laughs) figure out how to feed themselves and house themselves without working hard. Mm. Um, but that's not my job as a leader to help them get there. My job as a leader is to help them fully become what God has gifted them to become and to accomplish the things that God has set before them. Now, identifying that becomes a little more difficult, but um, when I look at it that way, it changes how I look at people, how I treat people, um, you know, how I interact with people and my own purpose in life. Yeah, and it really takes, it really takes the goal outside of my opinion or their opinion it's the objective truth and reality That's found right. in scripture is what's going to yeah. guide us to where they they need to be and where I need to help them get to. That's um, exactly right. One of the things I absolutely love and the reason I wanted to start our leadership series with this definition is because of the distinction between positional leadership and this definition. Because I yeah. want to, as a father, I want to instill in my children right from the get-go that no matter whether they have a title whether they have a position or not, they are a leader. Whatever right. relationship they're in, they should be leading. Uh, but what does that look like? And this is really helpful, helping people get from where they are to where they need to be. Um, how do, when you see that, how do you help instill in people who don't see themselves as leaders the, 
this truth and the reality that they need to be doing just that, helping people get from where they are to where they need to be? I think, uh, depending on who I'm talking to, I'll either start in the book of Genesis or just <laughs> start with where they are right now. Right. But when we realized we were created in the image of God, mm. um, again, a much larger conversation, but when we understand that God spoke and it was God spoke and it was God spoke and it was, but when it came to man, he, you know, I like to Im- imagine in my mind, he bent down and he picked up a handful of dirt and he molded it into exactly what he wanted it to be. And then he breathed uh, the breath of life into it. God's intentionality with humanity and God's intentionality in the creation of man uh, speaks to the purpose that he has for those that he's created. He created us then in his image, and we can talk about what all of that looks like. But when we then see leadership modeled by God, by Jesus Christ, uh, we have to make the connection between um how we were created by whom we were created and the fact that he has a purpose for all of us. And that purpose is to serve others. This is another way to say, lead others forward to minister to them, to take them forward. So we can start there kind of big picture, but what I like to do with folks, particularly those who are dealing with um, either trauma in their life or for us, much of what we deal with is folks separating out of the military after 20 or 25 years into a civilian role And they're lost because they've learned that leadership is a set of principles, a set of directives, (laughs) a set of steps. And that doesn't apply in the world. So the conversation is those who do well transitioning from one phase of life to another phase of life, from one relationship to a different type of relationship, those that do well, they get this. They don't identify their own ability to lead with a job, with a rank, with a position. Those things are important in their place, but that doesn't make them more or less a leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of us have the ability, every single person, you can be a four-year-old kid or, you know, a 95-year-old person who's lived a long life. All of us have the ability to help the people in our lives move from where they are right now to where they need to be. Maybe it's small movements. Maybe it's not, we're going to take them, you know, I raise kids, I've I've got four kids and we're raising them. Maybe it's not working with someone for a lifetime Mm. as with your children, but maybe it's just helping them get to the next step or encouraging them along the way. And I could give hundreds of examples of people that, you know, have encouraged me. That's leadership. It's saying, look, here's where you are, but if you'll just stick it out, if you'll just keep going, that's where you can be. Don't quit. All of us can do that. And when we have that shift in our brain, I'm a leader. <laughs> I yeah. might lead one person or 10 people or a thousand people. I might lead a country. doesn't matter. I'm a leader and I'm just going to serve the people that are around me. Um, it, it takes the, the pressure of the positional type of leadership or the, what I understand about leadership or what I've read about leadership it takes so much of that away because now it's just about helping people uh, become what God really created them to be. Yeah. And you, you said it earlier, it's not, it's, a negative thing in the sense that you're looking at somebody and saying, Oh man, they're a knucklehead. They're in a bad place. Right. It's, no, no, no. It's just recognizing the fact that none of us have attained perfection in Christ. That's so right. we all have some way in which we can be growing and it's just identifying what can I do with my resources, gifting life, whatever to yes. move them, move them forward. Yeah. That's really helpful with a uh, positional leadership with the title. And we've, 
I know I was in the Air Force, so it wasn't quite as extreme as you Marines. <laughs> it was almost the military, it was, almost it, was, military. it was very close. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we enjoy our time together. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, you, you see that, though. Like, there's a difference. Positional leadership, you tend to rely on coercive uh, motivation. Uh, you can yell at somebody. You can, you can reprimand somebody. You can take away somebody's pay. You can punish them, those kind of things. But, but outside of that, if you don't have that title and that control, what are some ways that we actually do motivate one another and uh, help one another without coercive motivation right. to move from where we are to where we need to be? I think that and often in leadership literature, there is a discussion between management and leadership. Um, and sometimes one is pitted against the other. I, I don't believe they're opposing concepts. I just think they're different things. So in, in terms of management, management is moving people and things, getting people and things to do what you need them to do. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. As a positional leader, I believe that the, the folks in your organization get to decide whether they will be led or managed. Some people don't want to be led. They don't want you to invest in their life and help them go from where they are to where they need to be. But you as the positional leader in any organization still need to make people do what they need to do. Uh, and this yeah. could be in your home. My kids don't always want to go to church on Sunday morning. So I can talk to them about, you know, their best life, <laughs> whatever, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to say, look, get your shoes on and get in the car because we're going to church. That's management. That's not leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And if we confuse that, we get in trouble in the military. It's the same thing. In any corporate environment, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. There are people that just need to be told what to do and when to have it done. And then you use whatever means necessary to get them to accomplish that. That's management. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not, however, leadership. And, and again, that's where I have some issue with the style of so-called leadership in the military because, uh, you know, the coercion and the screaming and the, uh, you have to follow me because of the rank thing. Really that's management. We call it leadership, but it's management. Mm -hmm. Leadership is helping people to understand uh, you can be managed. I'm happy to do that, but it would be better if you would just let me <laughs> help you um, acquire the tools and have the opportunities that you need to really move forward. Again, in a military setting, that's the difference between saying you, you know, corporal so-and-so need to get this done. That's one thing. Leadership is saying, Hey, corporal, whoever, um, I see some tremendous potential in you. Why don't we find a school that you can go to and, and develop who you are? Why don't we put you in some other opportunities to see where that takes us? That's leadership. Leadership is, seeing something in people and communicating to them what's possible and then helping them to get to that place or at least begin moving down that road. And so again, I kind of belabor the point, but when we separate out management, which is just getting people to do the things they need to do or moving stuff around, when we separate that from leadership, both can be done in the same environment. Mm -hmm. I speak often in military settings, um, actually for the air force, the air force yellow ribbon program, um, I've spoken to thousands of people and one of the classes they have me teach is, is this leadership <laughs> and, and uh, they want me to secularize it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the principle is the same. And so I'm asked you know, consistently by military leaders, how in the world do I do that? Yeah. Well, the people in your organization get to decide, do they want to be managed 
told what to do until their end of active service date, or do they want to be led? And leadership is you as the leader leveraging what you have to, to help them move forward in their lives and in their careers. And, and incidentally, as a leader, if you're helping people grow and develop and move forward, they help you as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not a you know, an either or type of proposition. No, and I think uh, the beautiful thing about it is when somebody actually takes on the role of a leader, they inspire people. Yes. And people want to follow them. Whereas a manager, you're just doing it because you got to do it. Um, That's right. And I think most of us, if you've had any experience in the corporate world or in the military for sure, you've had good leaders and really poor ones. You know, we had a couple different OICs in the command posts I worked in, and one of them was the lieutenant colonel who just he had the the uh, the mindset and the attitude and really lived it out if you take care of your troops your troops will take care of you yes and he would lay down his his benefits and his power and all all that he had earned by being in the in the military for a long time and serve us and we would walk through walls for that guy if we had to of course, exactly you know, being right. in the Air Force, we just had to type really good reports. You, know. <laughs> uh, you type faster. <laughs> type faster, yeah, that's right. At least my role epitomized Chair Force. But then we had other OICs who just, they were there to, I don't even know why they were there, but you yeah. still did the job because you had to do the job. And, and, it, and that's where people in the military struggle, right, when they separate out of the military, is if that distinction's never been made, then they've learned that leadership is being louder, being bigger, being more aggressive. And that just doesn't work at home. It doesn't work in a, a non-military environment. But if you in the, in the military realize my job is to take care of people, to invest in people, to make them better, then when I separate out of the military, I will just continue doing that. It doesn't change based on where I am. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're ab- about out of time. We could talk for quite some time. We have the last two minutes for two-minute favorites, but before we do that, I want to just remind people of a few resources and then also encourage you to reach out to think about how you as biblical counselors can can be a service to Mighty Oaks. Um, one, check out Leadership by Design, the Jeremy's book. It's really helpful. Uh, there's a lot more to be said than what we could cover here on this podcast, but I think you've gotten a taste of why I love that book. Um, but as as biblical counselors, you can be an asset to Mighty Oaks because, as Jeremy pointed out, these men and women are with their legacy program for one week, but then they go home, and hopefully they're in a church uh, in environment. And I love the aftercare program because they try to make sure each and every participant, every graduate of the program is matched up with a local church, whether they came from one or not. If your church wants to be a place that loves and serves our veterans, please reach out and let them know that you're available. If you're a counselor and have time to serve and minister, do counseling for these brothers and sisters, let them know that as well. Uh, If you're a BCC partner, you're being on our directory, uh, I know the aftercare program uses our counseling directory to find counselors as well. That's a great asset there for them. So be sure to check out the program. Check out Jeremy's book and his other books. Um, really, really encourage you to support the Mighty Oaks Foundation. So, uh, you ready for two minute favorites, Jeremy? I'm ready. All right. So should be really simple. I know Marines need that. So. <laughs> This <laughs> is just, just what do you like? So two minutes. Here we go. Oh, boy. What is your favorite food? <clears throat> oh, man. I have so many. 
Uh, I'll have to say pizza, although if I can drop in a McDonald's without my wife knowing about it, I'm happy to do that. Too. <laughs> what is your favorite uh, candy? Uh, chocolate. I'm a big, big fan of chocolate, particularly dark chocolate right now in my life. Okay. What is your favorite book of the Bible? Man, it, I always say it's, it depends on which one I'm reading right now, but consistently probably the book of Colossians. All right. What is your favorite, favorite gift you've ever received? <laughs> I was going to say the gift of love from my wife, um, but that might be a little little extreme. But I think that's probably the favorite gift that I've ever go. received. That's good. Yeah. What's the favorite gift you've ever given? I love giving books and resources. I can't tell you a specific one, but when I have the opportunity to give someone something that I think will help them, um, that makes me happy. All right. Favorite sport? Baseball. Favorite sports team? The Dodgers. Favorite color? Blue, but maybe only because I'm thinking of the Dodgers. I don't know. All right. Favorite uh, quote? Oh, man. There are just so many. I don't know. I can't narrow it down to one. (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) If you had one, if you were to choose one superpower, what superpower would you choose? (laughs) I needed this list ahead of time. I really could have figured all of these out. Um, (laughs) Super strength. All right. Uh, if your mother were to describe you in one word, what word would she use? Her favorite. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is your favorite Bible verse? Favorite Bible verse. Jeremiah 33, three has probably been the most consistent throughout my life. All right. Call unto me and I will answer the and show the great and mighty things. So no, it's not. Hmm. Very good. Well, that's our timer. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of 1514. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcounselingcoalition.org. You can also contact us at podcast at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to Carrie Felton, our podcast producer, who arranges and coordinates these interviews, and James Wills, our podcast engineer, who does the sound editing and makes these episodes sound so great. I thank you for being with us again and hope you can join us next time on 1514.